0: Welcome to Harvest Time, my name is Chris Harper. We have a special guest host this week, Pastor Ken Keith. We spend these 25 minutes together every week telling you the stories of our church by interviewing our members and other friends of the ministry. Today we'll feature the pastor who'll be speaking at our upcoming missions conference. Of course, we always wanna personally invite you to services this week at Harvest Baptist Church. We have two services, One at 9 a.m., the other at 11 a.m. During that 11 a.m. service, we have Japanese and Korean translation available, and that service is also available via video livestream at hbcguam.org, hbcguam.org. Next week, February 27th through March 2nd, we're having a missions conference. We'll be telling you more about that later. Here's Pastor Ken Keith to introduce today's guest on Harvest Time.
1: Half a day. Uh we're glad you're with us today. You might notice uh, I'm not Pastor Gary Walton. He's actually stateside right now doing some recruiting. So he asked me, Pastor Ken, to step in and um, just just have an interview with with our guest speaker coming out for Missions Conference. If you remember Missions Conference is going to happen next week, so February 27th through March 2nd. We're very excited. If you've been a part of Harvest for long, you know that Missions is a key part of what we're doing out here. And so we wanted to take a minute just to get to know Pastor Les Hines, and uh, he's out right outside of Denver in Colorado there. And uh, I'm just going to give him some opportunity to talk and introduce himself. And so what I'm asking is, uh, Pastor Les, how did you come to Christ? What is your salvation story? And how has that brought you to where you are today uh, here as a pastor?
2: Glad to talk with you here on the phone again, and... uh obviously i wasn't born a christian because uh nobody's born a christian uh i grew up in a large family in central michigan um i don't know how many of your listeners are familiar with uh, the state of michigan but kind of shaped like a mitten on the left hand and i grew up on a, a farm dairy farm in central michigan kind of cold area of the country and um i was one of nine children my my family comprised then 11 people with my parents and my dad was a dairy farmer uh hard working uh honest good man and same way with my mother they certainly instilled in us a, a work ethic uh they they were both catholic um and uh, so i grew up as a roman catholic uh in those formative years as i even went to uh, an altar boy, and got my confirmation, and all that. But uh, you know, just having some religious background didn't protect me from from some of the temptations that were out there. I uh, went off to high school, and, and my brother was a tremendous football player. He was an all-state football player, and uh, the one just above me. There were seven boys and two girls in our family, and uh, he uh, started taking a box of no-dos before a game. So he would be really hyped up. And he that was kind of how he got introduced into drug use and alcohol use. And then as a result, I admired him, not just because he was a great football player, but he was older than me. And so he introduced me, unfortunately, to that whole lifestyle. So I got introduced to alcohol and drugs in high school and and became a, a pretty – dominant part of my life and i continued down that trail for a period of time i knew i didn't want to be a farmer i'm pretty sure mm-hmm. of that because it was kind of a you know like a five thirty in the morning till eight o'clock at night commitment so i did uh, decide i wanted to go to college and trade school or something and i signed up for uh, engineering school there in michigan and went off to school in grand rapids and so the electrical engineering and uh really i kind of wanted to do college party scene to some degree and uh, i did i had a a roommate named george lovely was his name who was a drummer in a band we kind of got into the whole uh nightclub scene and actually one one day we were at a bar and uh George said to me, uh, unless I'm not coming back there anymore, I said, "Why? You know, aren't you having a good time? What's the problem? And he said, well, you wouldn't understand. I said, George, we're, we're good friends. What's the, what's the issue? You can tell me. He said, well, I really don't want to. So I pressed him and finally said, okay, uh, I've been going to a church sometimes on the weekends down in Kalamazoo. That's where he was from. He said, "And I went to this Baptist church and I got saved. <laughs> I said to him, you got saved? Hey, I'm saved. He said, and he pushed me, shoved me back. To, you're you're an idiot. You don't even know what I'm talking about. He said, "You're not saved." And I said, "No, no. I think I I think I am saved." Uh, and then I related to him that just a couple of weeks earlier, that our other roommate, his name was Ed Lindley, had been talking to me. He was my my roommate, uh, and George was down the hall, and, and he said to me that. You know, unless you you're in trouble, you're 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 headed for hell. And he was he was gracious, but he was pretty straightforward. And um, he one night came home from Grand Rapids. He came home from Calvary Baptist Church. Actually, it was Calvary Undenom. I think they changed their name. And he came home from a Sunday night service, and I'd been partying, I'd been high the whole weekend. And we got out of the car at the same time. He got out of his. I got out of mine. He had a Bible and a hymn book in his hand, and uh, I was coming down, crashing, and was pretty low, and he said, Les, what's the matter? I said, Ed, you know what the problem is with me. I've got nothing to live for, and he held up his Bible and said, can I give you something to live for? Hmm. And I had never really been open to him before. I'd never really been open to the gospel. I, I was not searching or looking, but the Holy Spirit of God just convicted me. I said, "Yeah, I need something to live for because I'm a, I'm on a dead end street." And so we walked inside the the frat house and and Ed opened up the Bible and took me through the Romans Road of Salvation. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that at that time, but he showed me the verses and and said, "If you want to be saved, you can you can be saved right here." And of course, I came from a Catholic background where everything revolves around the Church and sacraments, but You know, I believed him. And so I got on my knees and and prayed and accepted Christ as my Savior. And that was about two weeks before this conversation with George took place in the bar. And so I told George about that. And he said, well, I don't think you can get saved in a grand house. He said, I don't know much about this, (laughs) but you probably ought to come to church with me. So we made an appointment, you know, to go to that church. He said, now, let me tell you what's going to go on here. He said, this guy's going to get up after the singing, and he'll preach, and he'll get pretty animated. But at the end, he's going to say, if you want to be saved, come forward. He said, that's when you move. <laughs> <laughs> so here I am. And sure enough, he got that preaching, and he said, if you want to be saved, come forward. and That's when George nudged me, and, and I did. I went forward. They took me in a room. One of the deacons showed me the exact same verses that Ed had showed me about two weeks ago. I prayed the same prayer. So George and I started realizing that, you know, the environment that we're in, uh, you know, on the weekends is not a good environment. So we started riding around in our car, and we found a Bible, and uh, I would read to him, and he would tell me what he thought it meant, and... I would sometimes drive and he would read to me and tell me what he thought it meant or I thought it meant, and probably a a fair amount of heresy uh, (laughs) being uh, bantered about, probably. But uh, we we started kind of reading our Bibles together, and then we uh, went to church, and then we transferred to Detroit, and uh, actually I asked a friend of mine who I thought maybe was a Christian when I was in high school, Alan Erickson, uh, we hooked up and and he said, you know, there is a good church in Detroit, probably a hundred of them. But he said, there's a good church I know of um, and you ought to check it out. So George and I went to Holy Baptist Church in Detroit. Bob Rhodes was the pastor, Dr. Bob Rhodes, and Les Mm -hmm. Ololo was the youth pastor, and they they grabbed a hold of George and I and uh, started discipling us, and then we went to some uh, singles Bible studies, and uh, that's where I got baptized as a uh, a new believer. And uh, then after that, uh, we started hearing about Bible college and Bob Jones University, and Marinette, uh, some of the schools that we'd never heard of, of course. And and uh, so I became interested in going off to Bible College, and actually so did George Lovely. After we finished our training in Detroit, we were there for about a year or so, we took off and went down to Bob Jones University and enrolled there together and on a buddy plan. <laughs> really, I knew almost nothing about the Christian life. And it was just a tremendous learning experience for me. My roommates were in encouragement. They probably didn't think I was going to make it because uh, I just didn't quite fit in, you know. And I did get some demerits, and but I, I really, really wanted to, to be in college. I really wanted to learn the Bible. I, uh, After my first year, I went back and declared myself as a Bible major just to study the Bible. I didn't know if I was. Headed for ministry necessarily because I really didn't really didn't think I had the stuff, you know. I didn't didn't come from a Christian background and had you know overcome a, a number of sin problems in my life and got discipled. But the longer I was there, the more I had a desire to to be in ministry. I didn't know exactly what that would be. Just asked God for direction, and and everybody really was quite helpful to. to to me in this discipleship process and really I went on and and uh, just you know my my academic background was very weak so I struggled that first year and got some study habits under my belt and pulled my grades up so I could remain in school and um, you know I struggled financially too because I I didn't have the resources or backing or anything like that but I really saw some tremendous answers to prayer and got financially solid. I had really a a lot of money given to me. I have no idea where it came from. It came in anonymously into my account. I assume the university and maybe roommates, maybe uh, various people that heard my story contributed. And so I continued on with my studies. And and then, you know, this is kind of a side note, but my uh, grandfather died after my First year at, at Bob Jones University, and he had never been to church. He, had, you know, he was he was a thorough pagan. He was a womanizer and alcoholic, uh, just lived rough. And so my parents said to me, "Well, you know, you're studying to be a preacher. Why don't you do the funeral?" And uh, I'd never done a funeral, of course. I'd not really done, but a little bit of preaching, you know, as a freshman and sophomore. And so I, I preached the gospel. That's, mm. that's the only thing I had that I understood was the gospel. So I, I worked through the gospel and said, if you're not saved, you need to be born again. And, of course, you know, I didn't have a lot of tact. I said, you know, my my grandfather's probably in hell. He never went to church, wasn't saved, et cetera. And then my parents came to me afterwards and said, you preached the whole crowd into hell. What are you doing? And they were really upset with me, really angry with me. They thought it was an embarrassment. But one of the people that came up to me after uh, was an old lady. Her name was Della Burdick. And she was crying. She grabbed a hold of me and kind of crying on my shoulder. And I thought to myself, Mel, that was my first sermon. It was pretty bad. I didn't think it was that bad, you know. There <laughs> was this woman crying all over me. And she said to me, my name is Della Burdick. I was your grandfather's cousin. And I've been praying for your family for 50, 60, 70 years. She was probably 75 at the time. And she said, and I see God has answered my prayer. Mm. <laughs> she said, you've been saved. And I've just been praying for your family that someone would be saved. And and uh, she continued to pray for me the, until she died. She lived well mm. into her 90s. She sent me money at Bob Jones. And she was a widow lady. And. So I think a lot of us get saved as a result of somebody praying for us Mm -hmm. or somebody praying for our family, and um, maybe I was the result of her prayers. But I, of course, finished at Bob Jones undergrad. Uh, After that, I went on to seminary and uh, earned an MA and then uh, eventually did a doctorate as well from Northland, a doctor of sacred ministries. You know, after I got out of school, I I was in Milwaukee for several years as an assistant pastor, and then uh, did some traveling and preaching. And that's how I met uh, the pastor Ed Nelson, who was the pastor of my predecessor at South Sheridan, and he invited me to come back and preach again. And then he offered me a job and as an assistant to replace him eventually someday. And that's exactly what happened. I served on his staff for six years and then became the senior pastor of, uh, South Sheridan. And, and then eventually we, we saw the need to relocate. And I found, uh, 32 acres on the West side of town, just inside the C470 beltway. And we bought it. It was a $25 million project to buy the land, build the building. And, uh, we built a, a wonderful facility out here on the west side of town. And, you know, I'm a pastor. I uh, love to preach the gospel, love to share the gospel, love missions. Uh, we have about 40 missionaries that, are, uh, out, that we support out of our church, and about half of them, a little more than half of them, grew up here. I tell them, if you go to the mission field out of our church, we're going to take on a large chunk of your support. We can't support you completely. We would probably want to do that, but we'll take you on for $500 a month or more, and that's what we've done. Actually, how I met your pastor, Gary Walton, with Bibles International, he came to our church and was preaching a missions conference for us, and he said, Hey, have you ever considered a missions project of translation, uh, helping a translation project? I said, you know, never even thought about it. Never, never been challenged about it. I said, well, what's it involve? He said, well, basically it involves raising money, so we have the money to to pay the translators and to get a project done. I said, well, you got anything that we could do? And he said, well, we're working on one for the Aka people, A K H A, that are in five countries. They're in Thailand. And, you know, our Vietnam, China, maybe it was Cambodia. And I said, well, how much money do you need? And he said, well, we need about $90,000. I said, oh, well, we could do that. You're only here for a couple of days. You know, your Sundays through Wednesday. I said, but I'm open to it. You know, let me challenge our people. So I did that Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Monday night, we raised $90,000. Oh, man. That's and
1: awesome.
2: So we sent the money off with Bibles International, and, and uh, they completed the project and invited me to come and preach the uh, dedication, which was really, truly a, mm. a tremendous uh, opportunity for me and just a tremendous blessing as they received the Bible. It was a New Testament with the Psalms
0: in their own
2: language for the very first time and they had about twelve hundred people there. They brought in leaders of the churches from the various countries, the Aka people that are scattered into those countries. Both the leaders of the churches, and man, they fell on their knees. They, they wept. They, uh, they sang for an hour. You know, as they unloaded the semis, mm-hmm. gave out the Bibles. Uh, interestingly enough, were printed in China, but China wouldn't let them come over the border. They had to ship them around to Thailand and bring them up by semi. Uh, So it was a tremendous opportunity. It just kind of reconfirmed to me what a wonderful uh, privilege we have when we have the Word of God.
1: Amen. You
2: know, we we want to do what we can to uh, influence people for missions and support them. We take short-term mission trips to Mexico and try to get our... Teams on the mission field. We all know that if people see the mission field, it removes some of the barriers yep. that they have in their mind about going to the mission field.
1: We're we're coming to yeah. the end um, here of the interview. Can I uh, ask you one quick question as as we kind of close this out? I was thinking about this as we um, as I was listening to your story. So I apologize. This wasn't something we talked about earlier on, um, but. You know, here's here's your story of quite a journey. Honestly, uh, quite a journey from wh- how you were raised in, in the Roman Catholic Church to your lifestyle to coming to know Christ. In that process of um, just understanding, really, what the Scriptures taught. You know, that's a that's a story of of a handful of us in in the church where we think maybe you know missions, especially as we're focusing on missions this coming week is for the I was born, you know, Baptist, I was I was born Christian. I've I've memorized the whole Bible or I I've always been a, you know, a believer in doing the right thing that that missions and um, taking the gospel to the nations is is for those people, the the multiple degrees in Bible college, the got the Bible with the name on it, you know, those kind of people not for people like me who have a story that you know, we're not always as proud to tell except for the part when Jesus saved us and changed us. What would you say to that group of people who feel like missions and especially going is is for the elite Christian and not for those, um, how you would just, as you just shared, you know, your story?
2: Well, uh, I think we if we look down through history and even in the book of Acts, It was ordinary people Mm -hmm. telling the story of how they came to know Christ, how they got born again. Uh, And anyone that has had that experience of coming to know Christ as their Savior and can explain the simple gospel penance that all of us are sinners, all of us deserve hell, Christ died for us, and it's by repentance and faith that God accepts us into His family, anybody can be a missionary. Now, we sometimes differentiate between vocational missionaries, but, but really, in a way, God wants all of us to be at least uh, witnesses and, and evangelists that share the gospel. So, yeah, we, we maybe we put roadblocks in people's minds that they think they have to have a Bible college degree mm-hmm. or be erudite scholars or... Uh, you know, be orators or something like that, but it's just telling our story. And there's nothing more compelling than a personal story of con- of change and conversion. People will argue doctrine, but they can't argue a changed life. Mm-hmm. And if your life has been changed, you've got, you got a story that God wants other people to hear. And all along the way, I mean, the Della Burdick's who prayed for my conversion— to Ed Lindsley who shared the gospel with me when I wasn't I wasn't receptive for a long time, but you know out of Ed, George, and myself, all three of us became pastors. Mm. You know that was just God's will, I guess. But three engineers that went bad <laughs> and became pastors. You know they, they changed their vocation, and uh, you, you never know what God's going to do with someone who is willing to follow His will. It mm. may be vocational ministry, but hey. You know, you may lead someone to Christ that is used in a, in a greater way than you can ever have met, imagined, you know? So true. So it's just just taking one step at a time, being being where God wants us to be, doing what God wants us to do.
1: Amen. Hey, thank you so much, man. We're looking forward to you uh, coming out. Again, we've got Missions Conference next week, February 27th through March 2nd. Uh, the Sunday services will stay the same times. The Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday will start at 7. We do have a children's program and up to sixth grade. So it's going to be a great time. It's going to be a great time together. And we're going to be challenged and encouraged to be a part of God's mission around the world here. Thanks so much, Pastor Hines, And we're looking forward to having you here soon.
2: My pleasure. Looking forward to being with you. God bless you.
0: And thank you for listening to Harvest Time this week. We'd invite you to attend services at Harvest Baptist Church on Sunday We have a 9 a.m. and an 11 a.m. service. The 11 a.m. service is available via video live stream at hbcguam.org, hbcguam.org. And we also have Japanese and Korean translation available at 11 a.m. That's Sunday at either 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. at Harvest Baptist Church. And be sure to attend our missions conference starting next week It will run February 27th through March 2nd with Pastor Les Hines. Thanks again for listening to Harvest Time.